Welcome to episode 5 of Selly Sports. I'm one of your hosts, Sadi, and I've got Anthony with me. We've got a ton of different things we're going to kind of talk about today. It was an interesting week given that COVID kind of canceled a bunch of games and we're seeing that affect different leagues again right now. Uh, so let's get into it first with some boxing news. Anthony, you want to jump on that? Uh, yeah, so of course we have to talk about it. It's making news because Jake Paul had a boxing match uh, last night as we're recording this, Saturday night if you're listening to this on Monday. Uh, but yeah, Jake Paul fought Tyron Woodley for a second time this year, uh, knocked him out in the sixth round, uh, which was big. Uh, it was actually you know a decent knockout. Um, a lot of people, of course, are upset because he's yet to fight a boxer. Uh, Tyron Woodley is a former UFC champion. Uh, so I understand why people are upset, but I still think that, uh, Jake Paul just getting in the ring and fighting an actual fighter is quite impressive. Uh, but then of course, after the game, Jake Paul being the, uh, massive figure that he is and can bring in a ton of money, uh, a couple people decided that they were going to call him out. Uh, the first of which was uh, Le'Veon Bell, the NFL player, uh, called out Jake Paul because he would like to box him. He was upset that Jake Paul is fighting people who have no boxing experience. Uh, I'm not really sure how Le'Veon Bell will change that because, to my knowledge, Le'Veon Bell does not have any boxing experience either. Um, so I'm not really sure where Bell's going with that one, uh, but uh, that was an interesting call out. Uh, and then earlier today... Jorge Masvidal uh, wants Jake Paul to fight him in a UFC fight, uh, which is the most exciting prospect to me because either Jake Paul goes in there and wins and we're like, okay, wow, that's <laughs> he might be actually good at this kind of stuff, or he goes in there and gets his bell rung, which I would also love because I'm not the biggest Jake Paul fan. Uh, but just the fact that these people are calling Jake Paul out is just a testament to Jake Paul and the fact that he's 5-0 and in boxing and actually seems to know how to fight just a little bit. I think to me what's so interesting about this whole thing is that every time he fights somebody, he gets called out by somebody else who wants to fight him, and then he goes and fights them too. And it's just this like perpetual circle of him just fighting people who like have called him out or he has like, a beef with or whatever it is. And then he just never stops fighting. So it's like, if y'all want him to go away, like if he bothers you that much, stop threatening to fight him because he's going to fight you. And, and chances are he's going to win. I mean, at this rate, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's a, I love Jake Paul and like just the, I mean, I, I don't like him, but I just, I love that he, I mean, people call him out and he's literally like, I'll sign the contract right now. I'll do it. Don't tempt me. And then he does it and he wins. It's just... Uh, it'll be so interesting. I would love to watch him fight Jorge Masvidal in a UFC fight, though. Oh, that would be great. I'd pay money to watch that fight. I mean, honestly, at this point, he's just securing the bag. And uh, if we want to talk about people who have fumbled the bag this week, <laughs> uh, going into some NFL news, I'm sure we all know by now, Urban Meyer got fired as the head coach of the Jaguars. I just can't get over like the timeline of everything that kind of happened and like went into this because it's honestly kind of crazy. I we made a TikTok about it this past week, but like in the 3 minutes of the TikTok, like we couldn't even fit everything in. There was just so much. So I'm going to go a little bit more in depth on it now that we have more uh unlimited time. But pretty much like a month or less than a month into his tenure on February 11th, 
He got slammed for hiring the former Iowa strength and conditioning coach, Chris Doyle. Emphasis on former because the dude got fired from Iowa for uh, allegations out against him that he was creating a racist and hostile environment within the weight room and like embraced and encouraged bullying of certain members of the team. Uh, and 35 hours later, Doyle resigned, but I mean, that doesn't really, like, absolve them from, like, not doing the vetting on this dude in the first place to even make sure that he was, like, somebody who should be running a strength and conditioning program on the NFL level. I mean, I don't know about you, man, but to me, like, that's a red flag. Yeah, it's, I mean, to be fair, everything that Urban Meyer does is just wrong, but yeah, bringing in... Uh, somebody who clearly had that past uh, to be in the uh, in the program with him. Just that was his, I guess, first of many, many missteps with the Jaguars. Yeah, and I mean, it's almost like a little roller coaster of emotions here because, like, when you move into the March free agency period, I mean, he managed to sign some pretty good free agents with Rayshon Jenkins, Marvin Jones Jr., Carlos Hyde, uh, Shaquille Griffin. And then you follow it up with Trevor Lawrence being drafted first overall and then getting Travis Etienne later on. I mean, things kind of look good here. But then I think, what, like two months later, he gets slapped with his first NFL fine of $100,000 for himself personally and $200,000 fine for the team for violating non-contact rules during organized team activities. And this is like all before he's even coached a game. So it's just like, dude, are you like paying attention to your own actions before you kind of do things or you just like like it just feels like he's too comfortable already and he hasn't even like proven anything yet um but even after that what you finally make it into the NFL season they're handed a fat L in their first game 37 to 21 against the Texans who are also not a good team by any stretch of the imagination uh and then in the second game they lose to the Broncos where Urban Meyer literally says to the Broncos head coach that coaching every week in the NFL is like playing Bama every week. <laughs> I mean, I, I get the comparison. I appreciate the comparison. I'll never know what it's like to coach up against Bama. I don't want to know what that's like. But if that's how you're feeling, maybe keep it to yourself a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think Urban Meyer's biggest problem, honestly, is like everywhere he went in college, he succeeded. And you know what they say that winning covers cracks. You know, it like, yeah, even at UF, like people knew he wasn't the nicest guy, but you were winning national championships, SEC championships. Like uh, at Ohio State, you were doing the same thing. You were competing for national titles, going to the playoffs. You even won one with them. And it's just, you finally go to a team that isn't automatically gonna you know you you can't turn them around in a season uh you know you you draft some good pieces and you you sign some in free agency but you didn't have that that winning that went along with covering up all this stuff that he did at other places and so it finally like you know he was upset because he was losing the team was upset because they were losing and they it just they all fell out with each other and that was just it's not something you've seen with him at other places because he usually wins yeah yeah, I mean, honestly, it's all just not not looking good for him by that point. And then you fast forward to October 2nd when the video, as we all know, surfaces. 
And, like, my thoughts were, like, you would think, like, your team is still winless. You just took another L on the road. Like, I get, like, Cincinnati near Columbus, near his home, whatever. Like, he wants to stay and, like, be with people, whatever. But my immediately, immediate thought as, like, a coach would be, let's get back home. Let's regroup. I can visit my family later once we've gotten out of this hole we've dug ourselves and turn things around. But instead, he goes out to a bar and starts getting friendly with a woman who's not his wife. And then makes up all kinds of lies and excuses about that and seems to make matters worse through doing that. And after like a week of like this like Urban Meyer apology tour about everything, uh, the owner of the Jaguars says that like just comes out and says that he needs to work towards uh, regaining everyone's trust back after that incident, especially since a lot of players had kind of made complaints that he's lost all credibility and trust in the locker room, which is a huge red flag and um you would kind of think that a scandal like that would be rock bottom makes make a guy kind of rethink how to be better and how to avoid things like that but what a month and a half later uh he makes headlines again when he decides to call a meeting with all of his assistant uh coaches call them all losers and force them to defend their resumes to him Mind you, multiple of the assistants have won Super Bowl titles, while Urban has struggled to win two games in the NFL. And also, this is what rubbed me wrong the most out of everything. I read his book. I read this man's book. I spent $6 on his book, and I read it. And, man, it just goes against everything he kind of talks about in there. He like was preaching on like his high horse about this nine unit strong approach where all nine units of your team need to be like on the same level, need to be like performing well, like you're only as strong as your weakest link. And like talking about helping like the coaches whose areas were struggle, like get like getting them back up and helping everybody just rise to that top level of like winning national championships and whatever. And for him to go and just call his assistants losers and call himself a winner when all he's done is lose games, to me was just so hypocritical and went against everything he kind of talked about. And it was just like, dude, where is your like, like where is your like pride in all of this almost? Cause it, it like, it's just such a mess, man. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean the Jaguars hire a college football legend and they remain a mess that's kind of par for the course for the Jaguars but this seems to be a new low uh you thought you had a coach that was going to turn it around and you still only win two games and fire him (laughs) midway through the season of his first year so that's yeah it's it's I mean it's Jaguars football it's to be expected in Jacksonville I'm sure by now yeah I mean this pretty much all comes to a head after a 20-0 loss against the Tennessee Titans and then when the Jaguars owner, uh, Shad Khan, was asked to be planned to fire Urban Meyer, uh, he responded by saying that he didn't want to be impulsive and rush into anything too quick too soon. Uh, but his decision was made for him not even a day later when uh, Josh Lambeau, the former place kicker for the Jaguars, came forward and uh, basically said that Urban Meyer kicked him during training camp in the preseason. Uh, after he missed two field goals. Uh, Mind you, he is one of the top five most accurate place kickers in all of NFL history. So, yeah, that's what we're dealing with here. And uh, basically, after, after Urban Meyer kicked him, Josh Lambeau said, 
don't ever kick me again, probably like any normal human being would. And to which Urban Meyer responded, I'm the head ball coach. I'll kick you whenever the F I want. And uh, the next morning, Urban Meyer was no longer the head ball coach. So... Yeah, unfortunately for some team out there, Urban Meyer will be back probably at the college level in the next one to two years. So I pray for those kids and what they're going to have to go through. But hopefully they win some games so he's not quite as bad. I don't know how, as uh, a college athletic director, you can in good faith hire that man after you've read this whole laundry list of things that he just did. Not to mention, like, I'm sure at this point there's stuff that's come out about like what he's done at colleges he's coached at. I just don't know how you can in good conscience kind of hire somebody like that, but I guess I'm not the one making those decisions. So that's on y'all about those national championship rings. He's got on his finger. And unfortunately for everybody, he's got three of those. So I guess you're, I guess you're correct on that front. Uh, The only other entertaining piece of NFL news I can think of is the fact that the Cardinals lost to the Detroit Lions today. I don't think anybody saw that on their uh, NFL season bingo card this year, but uh, that happened earlier this afternoon. Yeah, adding to the, uh, I guess, the Jaguars' misery. The Jaguars are back in line to get the first overall pick yet again, so congrats to the Jaguars. You are currently winning that, that battle. Yeah, although is it really much of a flex when your team goes two and eleven on the year? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my god, we love some Jaguar football, don't we? Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, not a lot going on. A uh, little bit of volleyball. We've we've crowned a national champion and in, in college volleyball, uh, women's volleyball anyway. Uh, Wisconsin beat Nebraska three two. Uh, in the national title uh, title game. But uh, the big news was that undefeated Louisville, who had um, a chance to, to go undefeated and win their first ever national championship, lost in the semifinal round to Wisconsin, three sets to two. So it was a little sad to see them fall, but I do love watching an underdog get get a W. So congrats to Wisconsin and those ladies for, for winning the national championship. Um, but that's really all I've got for, for college volleyball. Yep. Uh, moving into NCAA football, we got Bo Nix transferring to Oregon and Spencer Rattler to South Carolina. I'm sorry, Oregon fans, but looks like things are going to be going downhill quick for you guys. <laughs> yeah, your offense, whatever you, you knew offense was before, it will no longer be that. Bo Nix, you're going to have some games where you're like, wow, this guy could win the Heisman. But most of the time you're going to be like, why is this guy starting on my football team? Like, I just don't understand. But it was time for Bo Nix to leave Auburn, so I guess good for him. Yep. Uh, moving into some signing day news, probably the biggest piece of news to come out from that day, Travis Hunter, the number one recruit, uh, flips commitment from Florida State University to Jackson State. Man, I, I get it. I get why he did what he did, but... I would love to have the number one recruit play for my play for my team next year. But I mean basically it came down to where NIL money was and there were a lot more enticing offers for him to go to Jackson State uh in relation to that as opposed to play for Florida State. So it's kind of interesting to see this is probably one of the first uh instances we've seen of of it uh influencing recruiting so heavily and uh, making a player pick what 
is like a non-Power 5 team basically over a Power 5 conference team. Uh, Anthony, what do you think about all that? Uh, yeah, so it is the first time that a five-star recruit has ever signed uh, with an FCS school. Um, but, you know, it was funny because Deion Sanders came out and said, oh, he refuted the reports that, you know, they signed. Because the reports came out that he got a $1.5 million NIL deal. Um, and he, of course, Deion Sanders refuted that, saying, like, he's not coming here for the money. We all know he is. There's, there's no doubt in my mind that he went there because he got a lot of money. But I'm just curious as to why FSU... Obviously, FSU could match that if they wanted to. They're, they're, these teams make so much money. But I'm just curious if, you know, these big schools, you know, why sign these guys for loads of money when even without uh, that recruit, FSU still has like a top 20 class. Like these big schools are just... They get big recruits anyway, so I'm just curious, like what went on behind the scenes at Florida State to where they came to the decision to be like, I don't really, do we really need to give this guy nil money? Like maybe none of the boosters wanted to, and it was fine. But to for Deion Sanders to come out and say that he's not getting money is absolutely insane because that's the only reason you would pick Jackson State over Florida State. I mean, yeah, pretty much. I read that. Um. Honestly, I'm not super familiar with what exactly went down, but it was something to do with Barstool, right? That they like they basically like gave him some kind of NIL like endorsement deal um that was worth like a big chunk of what he ended up flipping to Jackson State for. Yeah, it was a big it was also a big Twitter thing, but I'm just like Barstool is this big like overarching company and then they've got like individual like sort of you know businesses for like each school like there's a barstool florida barstool florida state um so i'm just curious because it seems like barstool could have given him the money to go to florida state as well so i don't know why they gave him the money to go to jackson state um but yeah this will definitely you know this is obviously it being year one of nil it'll be interesting to see what these big businesses can do to get recruits to sign you know, other places than just the powerhouse schools. But, uh, yeah, it was, you know, I didn't put that on there to be like, oh, FSU funny. It was more of like, I was just curious as to like, what, how does this change things in the future? No, for sure. I get that. I think to answer your question though, almost, I think part of the reason why Barstool gave him the money to go to Jackson state and not to FSU is probably just to influence the headlines in those ways Um, because I mean, the fact of the matter is now that college players are kind of, I guess, viable now in that way. Like, I mean, like companies that want to control like a player's narrative, like really easily can now through kind of paying players to go to one school over another. Yeah. I, I hope that's not the case in the future. I hope these kids realize that they don't need to be making headline news. Um, now, pro- I'm not saying that, that Travis Hunter is not going to go play in the NFL one day. He could still do really well. But as we'll see in just a minute in the next bit of news that we get into, um, a lot of these kids at these smaller schools just aren't looked at as highly as these kids that play for the SEC, ACC, Big Ten schools because of the level of competition that everyone you know sort of thinks that they're playing. So I just... I don't 
quite know if he made the right decision for his future in the NFL, but it's obviously still possible he does well at Jackson State and then gets drafted, but it was an interesting choice nonetheless. Yeah, for sure. So I guess moving into that next piece of news, uh, Western Kentucky quarterback Bailey Zapp broke the FBS record for most touchdowns in a single season, which is 62, and the most passing yards in a single season, which is 5,967. So why was he not mentioned in Heisman Talks at all? Why have I not heard his name until like this weekend? Yeah, so I actually, when I I wrote this down, um, I heard about him a couple weeks ago because uh, the offensive coordinator at Western Kentucky just got hired on to be Texas uh, Texas Tech's offensive coordinator. Um, But yeah, I had to look his name up. His name is Bailey Zappi. He didn't get highly recruited, obviously, out of high school, hence him playing for Western Kentucky. Uh, But I wanted to bring this up because two years ago, Joe Burrow broke the record for passing touchdowns in a single season. Um, He did not break the yardage record. That yardage record has stood since 2003 until it was just broken by uh, Bailey. But uh, yeah, he, um, when Joe Burrow had that season two years ago, everyone was like, this is the best season that a quarterback's ever had. He won the Heisman. And I understand that Joe Burrow won the national championship, um, but the national championship is a team award. He did not do that by himself. Uh, not to mention the absolutely incredible uh, talent that he had around him in wide receivers and in running backs. Um, and so it just, it, one, it made me, I, I've just, I've lost respect for the Heisman. It is, it goes to the the best player or really most of the time the quarterback on the best team in the country. Uh, because if anybody in the SEC or ACC or any of the Power Five conferences had a quarterback who broke the touchdown record and the passing yard record in a single season, uh, they would have been at the very least a Heisman finalist, but most certainly probably would have won the Heisman. Um, And so it just blows my mind that because this guy plays for Western Kentucky, who we all perceive to be a lesser team, oh, he didn't play against SEC competition. Yeah, he didn't have SEC receivers on his team either. He's thrown to Western Kentucky receivers. So and he broke that touchdown record, and I believe two less games than Joe Burrow through sixty touchdowns. If I'm correct, I believe Joe Burrow played fifteen games. I believe Western Kentucky only played thirteen. Uh, so, um, yeah, that was. I just don't get it. I don't understand why that's such a like these kids at smaller schools can't be considered great players. It's it's wild to me. I could not agree more with you on that one. I mean, it's honestly. A little bit mind-blowing to me that I'm just now hearing of him after he breaks this uh, like monumental record I mean like come on like just because he doesn't go to an SEC ACC school fine but like clearly he's still a really talented guy you probably should have been up for Heisman talks and other awards and so on but like it's it, it just goes to show that like those awards and those kind of mentions and the media in general is kind of just in the like power five conference pocket. Like if you're not part of that, you're not going to get talked about more than likely. And that's not a good, it's not a good trend in my opinion. I think like there's other really amazing talent at smaller, lesser schools that are just not being talked about as much, obviously like this story. Yeah, it's, it's big, and I know um, 
in the next couple of days after um, bowl season. I mean, we've already talked about Bo Nix and Spencer Rattler transferring, um, and I'm sure a lot more guys will leave. Um, and it blows my mind that a lot it's, – it's really old heads, um, you know, older people. Um, you know, they like tradition and the way things were, and, and a lot of them don't like the transfer portal. Man, I love it. It gives these kids who didn't get a lot of recruitment coming out of high school, maybe they go to a smaller school – and they then end up, you know, being really good at that school. They're now allowed to transfer to a bigger school who wants to give them a shot. I don't understand why that's such a bad thing. I mean, this guy is clearly talented. If he was throwing to Alabama-level receivers, he might have had 100 touchdowns this year. Like, are you – that's wild to me. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's really, honestly – it, it just doesn't make sense why these – players are not talked about or not considered as much just because for what like the crime of going to a non-power five school it's like come on not everybody's going to be recruited to one of those schools straight out of college some people take a little bit longer to hone in their skills but clearly like this player Bailey Zappi like clearly has the set like what it takes to to like thrive in an NCAA capacity and he's doing just that and I hope that with this kind of record he goes to the NFL and kind of proves people wrong and shows how oh, you don't have to be from a power five school to to do just fine and to break records and get some publicity yeah it's uh it'll be interesting but I, I think he'll make it in the nfl but uh we've got some nwsl news which i will let you uh take the reins for since you uh, are our nwsl expert on the show <laughs> sounds like a plan so uh this past week with the nwsl was uh pretty News heavy as far as it goes in the off season, uh, with the expansion draft going on with Angel City, uh, FC, and then San Diego Wave. Uh, the expansion draft itself was like what, like three hours long, in my opinion, for no good reason. Uh, because all that happened was was SD Wave passed on like half of their picks picked Christy Mewis and almost immediately traded her away to Gotham FC, which to me made no sense, but hey, here we are. Um, And then Angel City made some kind of surprising picks, in my opinion. And then it was just the commentators talking for like hours on end about like random things. But uh, in my opinion... I think ACFC walked away the most successful from that uh, expansion draft. I mean, San Diego Wave kind of seemed to be leaving some holes that needed to be filled after passing on like half their picks and trading away like their only midfielder that they took in that in the expansion draft. Uh, I guess they kind of made up for it in the college draft, which occurred yesterday. Um, they ended up picking up some good college players. Uh, as did many teams, obviously. Uh, one team that is still struggling quite heavily is the Orlando Pride. They are down bad after getting rid of Alex Morgan and uh, Ashlyn Harris and Allie Krieger. It's going to be a long rebuild for them. So if you're an Orlando Pride fan, I recommend buckling up because I don't know what the season is going to look like for you guys. But I do think uh, just some front runners in my mind. Uh, after the way the draft went this this week, if players step up, obviously the way we all hope they do, 
Some front runners to me are going to be, I think SD Wave is going to have a really good uh, first season in the NWSL. I think Gotham FC is looking really, really good right now. They've got Christy Mewis, uh, Ashlyn Harris, and Allie Krieger. And I'm thinking uh, probably Louisville, too, is going to look pretty good as well. So I'm excited to see how the NWSL season shakes out after uh, this big offseason news. Well, I mean, Gotham uh, definitely has the the coolest name in sports. So even if they're not good on the field, you still have that look uh, going for you. So that's for sure. Although I must say, after uh, San Diego released their uh, their team logo, I gotta say it's my favorite logo, the NWSL. So I'm gonna stick by that for now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so we move on to some NBA news. Um, I guess we'll give we, – we have it in backwards order on our thing. But, yes, you just added Steph Curry breaking the three-point record. It's been such a wild week with COVID that we almost forgot to even talk about that. So, give uh, Steph big congratulations for breaking the three-point record. Um, is there anything you would like to add to that? Not a whole lot. I mean, that's pretty much the whole headline right there. Uh, I will say, though, it's – I mean, between him and Clay Thompson on – the Warriors, like, I mean, dude, nobody comes close to them currently in the league in terms of just, like, three-point shooting, like, capabilities. I think once Clay gets back on the court for uh, the Warriors and is all healthy and ready to go, like, they're going to be, I think, even crazier than they already are to, like, keep track of and just to watch and see. And, like, the, I, my prediction is they're probably going to be in the finals at this rate. Yeah, it'll be between them and the Suns in the West, but... I think just their experience of having been there before gives them a a really big advantage, and I could see the Warriors possibly winning the NBA title again, just like old times. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd agree with you on that one. Uh, I think outside of that, uh, we have uh, that Brooklyn tried to bring back Kyrie as a part-time player to play on their road games, but he immediately got put into COVID protocols. I wonder why that is. Real shocker. Yeah, I mean, listen, listen. I don't like. I don't like that we're you know that we make fun of him because everyone's getting COVID. Spikes are happening. All these games are getting canceled. But it's just too perfect that it happened to him. Like this guy that everyone was like, you know, he wanted to come back as a part time player, and Brooklyn said no. You know, you got to be fully committed to the team. And he said, fine, I'm just going to sit out. And he really hurt his team. And then his team was so decimated with COVID that they were like, hey, can you come back and be a part-time player? And before he could even step on the court, he got put into COVID protocols. And it's just, it's just, it's too perfect of a storyline. I love it so much. Yeah, I could not agree with you more on that one. Yeah, it's, NBA is really everything. I mean, the NHL is just release their rule no uh canadian teams can play american teams right now they're canceling all those until after the winter break they don't know what they're going to do with the players uh about going to the winter olympics um so unfortunately it feels like we're back in 2020 um covid is starting to ramp up and uh don't want to be that guy but if you haven't gotten your vaccine go get your vaccine if you haven't gotten your booster shot which admittedly i haven't done yet go get your booster shot be safe, keep your family and friends safe, and let's get this back to where we can watch sports happily without having to hear that 76 players 
God's sake, in 13 different games got canceled. Yes, sir. Could not agree more. I need to go get my booster. That reminds me. <laughs> uh, but other than that, uh, we'll end this on a happy moat. A happy moat. Uh, a happy note. Uh, it's almost Christmas, so we decided we'd do a little 12 Days of Christmas game. Not really a game, but we each picked six of our um, favorite moments of the year, favorite sports moments. Uh, and we're just going to go into them a little bit, a little detail. Um, would you like to start us off? Why not? So my first uh, kind of moment here, I have them too in like no particular order when I wrote them out because honestly I was struggling to even think back on what happened this last year because everything just feels like a fever dream to me at this point in time. But my first one is going to be the Bucks patriots regular season game. Seeing Mac Jones play Tom Brady, I literally was sitting in my parking or in my car, not even my car, a rental car, Outside of Yellowstone National Park with like barely any cell phone service, like hunched over my cell phone, like trying to watch the live stream of this game because it was like that good. And just seeing like Mac Jones and the Patriots put up a fight against like Super Bowl defending champs and like Tom Brady and seeing like the old coach and quarterback like head to head against each other. Like, man, that was just such a cool moment in sports. And I think probably one of the more important regular season football games we're ever going to witness in our lifetimes. Yeah, it was it was an exciting game. Uh, for my first one, um, I knew, I know that you know it was coming, but anyone who knows me knows I'm a big Lightning fan. And so, of course, my favorite moment of the year was the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, winning the Stanley Cup. They, they won back-to-back Cups. Uh, but to make it even more special, uh, I was working at the Blue Wahoos with Adi, and we had a couple other friends, um, and we would go out pretty much every other night. I mean, I think I we went out for, like, every playoff game except for, like, maybe three of them. We went downtown to World of Beer. We would sit there. We would watch the games on TV. That's what the, the celebration thing is on our Instagram. The very first post that we have is me dumping beer on myself when the Lightning won the Stanley Cup, and that was just my favorite getting to watch them go through the playoffs uh being a guy that loves hockey and also getting to do it with uh some people that have become my friends for the rest of my life uh easily my favorite sports moment of of 2021 by far bro my heart (laughs) (laughs) yeah i love you guys love the wahoos well not really but uh, (laughs) different place different time (laughs) man all right, going into my number two moment, uh, that would have to be, what is it, two weeks ago now, uh, the national championship win for FSU women's soccer. That was just a really cool moment because, I mean, year before last, they also went into PKs and they lost in PKs against Santa Clara. So for them to navigate through the whole like national championship road once again and make it all the way to PKs once again against BYU and to finally pull off that win was huge so it was just really cool getting to getting to see those players have their moment and get that natty champ uh natty championship yeah we we love natties around here i don't like the fsu on one but i love watching players celebrate when they get their redemption story and that was definitely a fun one fun one to watch um my second favorite moment um these are about the only two i have in order but uh as everyone I'm sure knows that knows me. I got into Texas Tech for grad school. um, And in the second game after I got into Texas Tech, uh, I was watching college football, as you do on a Saturday, and Texas Tech was playing Iowa State. Uh, This wasn't for a championship. Both teams were 
mildly average. Uh, but Iowa State was favored in this game. Texas Tech has been down bad for the last 10 years, pretty much since Mike Leach left. Um, and they had a 62-yard field goal to win. And a kicker named Jonathan Garibay uh, stepped out onto the field and hit a 62-yard field goal straight down the middle uh, to win the game as the clock expired. And I cannot tell you, watching that game, I was running all through the house. I was screaming, yelling, uh, waking people up. I probably woke the neighbors up. Uh, but it was really nice to see Texas Tech get a big win like that after firing their head coach and, and hiring this new coach who we now know is a decent coach, but we didn't know that then. Uh, so, but yeah, just watching, I mean, a 62 yard field goal, that's for a college kicker. That's wild. And it was a fun game to watch for me. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that makes perfect sense in my number three spot. Uh, it's probably gonna have to be that Bucks Super Bowl win as sad of a Patriots fan. I was to see Tom Brady go and as salty as I still am towards Belichick for letting him go. Like, to see him win at another team in his first year with them, too, like, nonetheless, I mean, that just, to me, goes to show, like, that dude's the GOAT. There's no, like, if ands, or buts about it. Like, that, to me, was, like, the ultimate, like, test of that. So, to see him go and get it, yeah, I'm happy for him. Would I have been happier if it was the Patriots and him doing it that year? Yes. But I'll take this, and uh, that was just a really cool moment. Yeah, Tom Brady is, is the best to ever do it for sure. Uh, there will be nobody uh, that does it better than him for, for a long, long time. Uh, in my number three spot, uh, because I hate Texas with a burning passion, even before I got accepted to Texas Tech, I just don't like Texas. Uh, watching Texas lose in overtime to one of the worst football teams uh, every year uh, in Kansas was absolutely phenomenal. Kansas was up big in this game. They were up by like three touchdown touchdowns. Texas comes storming back to tie it, send it into overtime, and I'm like, no, Texas has all the momentum. You know, props to Kansas for taking them this far. Um, and Texas scores a touchdown. Kansas gets the ball. They score a touchdown, and they decide, hey, we're going for two. It was so tense, so good, and it is always – always horns down around here that was an absolutely incredible game and watching kansas all the kansas players celebrate because they beat texas yeah perfect perfect hate texas it was a great game horns down baby <laughs> horns down all right my number four is gonna have to be uh rewinding a little bit back to the tokyo olympics uh, seeing Team Israel have one of their best Olympic performances uh, ever in Tokyo was incredible. Uh, I don't know if I've mentioned it yet, but on this podcast at least, but I'm Israeli. So for me, seeing them win four medals total, which I know to like most like powerhouse countries is nothing. But like up until this past year, we had nine medals total. So they basically won half of what it took 50 years to build in one year, I mean, that was huge for me, and it was just really cool seeing them, like, rack up those medals, um, and bring that total to 13, and fingers crossed it happens again in the Winter Olympics. Yeah, uh, it's, it's amazing how much we forget what these sports mean to some countries, because especially to us here in America, you know, we go out there to the Olympics, and we run away with 
you know, a hundred some medals pretty much every Olympic Games. But when the small countries, you know, start racking up a couple medals, it's it's quite nice. And it, we forget how much sports are a thing that bring us together and why we do these things. So that was nice to see them win some medals. Um, but moving on to <laughs> uh, another country that hasn't won a, a lot in a certain sport lately. Uh, my number four was the Italy versus uh, England in the Euro final. Uh, I'm Italian, so I was cheering for Italy. But I also just don't want to see England win anything in soccer. I think it's really funny because a lot of England fans like to be on their high horse. Like, you know, they get mad at us for calling it soccer, even though they started it. Um, and then they had their whole like, oh, it's coming home thing in the World Cup. And they lose in the semifinals. And then, of course, go go to the Euro final um, and they lose on PKs was just there's nothing like watching England fans lose a soccer game that they think that they should win and that they think that they're entitled to. So I really enjoyed that. Uh, but not to mention Italy winning a Euro before falling apart in the uh, World Cup qualifiers later in the summer. But uh, yeah, it was. we watched that game in the car, me and you. We were on our phone. We had just gotten uh, done with whatever we were doing at the beach. Um, and we, we watched the, the last half and like penalty kicks on, the, on our phones in the car. And it was... It was exciting. You, of course, were cheering for England because Harry Kane being a Tottenham player. But, no, watching Italy win that was absolutely incredible. Yeah, that was definitely a fun moment over the summer. Uh, definitely did not have as much at stake in it as you did. Um, but, yeah, that was a good time. Uh, my number five moment is probably going to be uh, Baylor keeping Gonzaga from having their perfect season. I don't know what it was, but something about that Gonzaga team, I just didn't like. I didn't want them to have that perfect season as cool as it would have been. So seeing Baylor just come in there and just completely like decimate any hopes they had of it was the best possible ending to that story for me. And so for that reason alone, it makes it into my top six sports moments of the year. <laughs> Yeah, I feel that because at my number five spot, I had uh, Poirier defeating Conor McGregor over the summer. Uh, I'm not a big UFC guy. Um, I like to watch the big fights, the exciting fights. I know some of the big names. Um, but I actually, I, I cheer for Conor McGregor only because when you are a fighter like that, uh, people think he's cocky and he absolutely is. But when you're a fighter like that, you have to talk a big game. You have to get in that mindset that like I am stronger than this guy I am better than this guy um and so I wanted him to win uh, I cheer for Conor McGregor when he gets out there um it was nice to see him return to the UFC uh octagon after what a couple years away year and a half um but unfortunately the fight was uh well Poirier was deemed the winner uh because Conor McGregor of course broke his ankle like snapped it in half uh, during the fight. If you watch that fight, you remember just watching Conor McGregor fall down uh, and nobody really knew why. And then all of a sudden it like panned to his full body and his ankle was just like facing the wrong way. Um, so hopefully he'll he's recovering um, and we'll be able to get back in the UFC octagon sometime in the future. But yeah, for me watching McGregor just fight again, it was lovely. And I love watching some of those big UFC fights because they have some of the toughest fighters and there's just not an atmosphere like it in any sport for sure i won't lie not big on fights but that was a really crazy crazy moment uh in that world uh in my sixth spot i've got the nil 
bill kind of being passed in the NCAA. That was just huge, and whether it's a good or a bad thing, we could probably do like 17 different podcast episodes on that alone. But, I mean, we talked a little bit about it today in our episode. I mean, it's just going to have long-lasting impacts on what the NCAA looks like uh, in the future, and it affects like so many different areas and like levels of it and uh, in ways that we probably haven't really even thought about quite yet. So it's it's going to be really interesting to see how that keeps unfolding. And that, to me, was a really big piece of sports news this year. Yeah, that could be a fun summer project, doing the uh, a little de- NIL debate. Um, but for my number six, uh, I will end it like I started it with one of my teams winning a trophy, and that was Chelsea winning the Champions League in 2021. Um, of course, that was back when COVID was still going on. Uh, it was really weird watching Chelsea win this Champions League because they played tough teams. Like, they played the teams you'd normally see Chelsea play in the Champions League. But watching games without fans in the stands um, is so weird. It almost felt like you were watching, like, a training match. Um, and so, that you know, every time I'd tune in, it was a little weird. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, playing... Manchester City of all teams in the final a team uh, that hasn't won a Champions League yet because they just haven't really been that good for that long Um, was nice it was nice to beat a fellow English team to the Champions League and watching those players lift that trophy whether it be in front of fans or not uh, you know you always love watching your team win win a championship so um, I added that to the list as well but COVID needs to go away. I'm sick of talking about COVID. We're going to go one episode of this podcast at some point without talking about COVID, I promise. But I really, really hope so. I thought we were trending in that direction, honestly. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, but uh, <laughs> no more uh, words for it at this point. Yeah, you guys won't hear our voice until after Christmas. So uh, I hope that you have a fantastic Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever it is that you celebrate at this time of year. Um, I just hope that you get to spend it with family or really anybody that you love. If you don't love your family, I hope you do, but I don't know what you what you guys do. But yeah, I hope you guys have an absolutely wonderful holiday season. Happy holidays, guys, and have an excellent week. We'll see you next time. Bye.